Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Well, it's great to be with you on this Sunday morning. Wasn't praise and worship wonderful? Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, if you don't know me, I am Pastor Daryl Huffman. And I want my lovely wife. She just settled down there, but I'm going to have her stand, Miss Bonnie. She's here. We're, praise God. Somebody was asking me a little bit about us. I said, well, uh, we've been married now 47 years. We've been in the ministry 46 years. Hallelujah. Uh, we've done a few things. And we're thankful for what God's done for us and with us and through us. Amen. And so we're excited to be here with you today. And I told uh, Pastor, I said, you know, I'll, if I can't do anything good, I'll make sure I don't do anything bad. So hallelujah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave them in good shape. Praise God. We did get a few things. We had some more stuff, but it, they didn't make it. We were sending them down. But I've got some books out there I think you would really be blessed to get. This Discovering God's Will and Way will absolutely change your life. Uh, you know, you have to have the spirit of faith. That means there's two W's if you're going to walk in God's will. You've got to have His Word, which shows his, what His will is. Amen. And then you have to know His way. How do I know His way? By being led by the Spirit. So we have to have the Spirit and the Word working together if we want our faith to work. And, and when you get the Spirit and the Word working together, you'll find God's way and it'll, it'll, it'll get you to the blessing. Amen? And then this other one is Reviving Your Passion. These are just a couple of new ones. I got another one coming out. It's going to be uh, New Beginnings in Christ. And in that one, it's going to be for the new converts, and those are one that goes, it, it deals with uh, salvation, water baptism, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So that'll be a good one. I was hoping to get it, but they didn't get it finished, but it's almost ready to print right now. Praise God. Amen? Hallelujah. Somebody said, why are you writing books? I don't know. Just seemed like a good thing to know. <laughs> we felt like the Lord told us to do this, and we're just obeying God. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of you have your Bible or instrument of Scripture with you this morning? Lift it up. Praise God. Amen. Just say this after me. Lord Jesus, I confess you are my Lord, and you are the living Word, and you've sent your written Word that I might know you. And this day, I set my faith to receive the Word of God. I place demand upon the anointing of the Holy Spirit to speak into me the very truth I need to be set free. I set myself to hear the word, to receive the word, and to be a doer of this word. And I thank you, Lord, for confirming this word in my life. I receive it done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I want you to look in Romans, the 12th chapter. We're going to look there. Then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. A couple of places here that we want to take a moment and look at. I, I want to share with you a little bit uh, on the keys of the kingdom of God and who we are in Christ and how to operate those keys. Amen. Is that all right? Hallelujah. It must be all right because I'm going to do it anyway. So <laughs> praise God. But you know, when you read the Bible and you read in the, especially the epistles, the letters written to the church, you'll find out <clears throat> that the majority of that teaching is teaching you how to grow up in Christ. Amen? 
They aren't. They will talk to you about being born again. They will talk to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They'll talk to you about getting in the Word. But especially the Pauline epistles, the, the letters written by Paul, they were to bring to you the revelation of who you are in Christ and what God has done for you, what God is doing in you now, what God's going to do for you in the eternities. Amen? And so we need to understand that Christianity is not get born again, sit down, hang on, hold out, and wait till you get to heaven someday. We need to quit preaching a heaven gospel and preach a kingdom gospel. Amen. Because the Lord wants to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness, bring us over into the kingdom of God, and then he wants us to mature and grow into who he has created us to be so we can do his will here on this earth. Amen. Praise God. And here Paul in Romans chapter 12 in verse 2 Paul says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice that Paul says here that if you don't change your thinking, if you don't renew your mind after you're born again, you'll stay conformed to the world. You'll act like the world, think like the world, be like the world, and have what the world has. Amen? But he says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world determine your Christianity. Don't let the world determine who you are. Do not let the world tell you what you can and cannot do. Amen? How am I going to do that? I have to know what God says because he says when I renew my mind, I renew how I think, I renew my attitudes, I renew how I see things, I renew how I talk. Amen? Amen. And then he says this, when I renew my mind to the word of God, I can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, you can't prove something you don't know. Amen. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Then he goes on, he says, and because you've rejected knowledge, I re you cannot be a priest unto me. See, the, the, this, this is the thing. A lot of people are defeated today, number one, because they haven't heard the word. Amen. They heard enough to get saved, but then that's about as much as they've heard. And so therefore, they just stay in that babyhood stage because you have to hear the word to know what God's will is. Amen. Amen. But then there are others that are bound and in trouble because they heard the word, but they rejected it and chose not to hear it, not to receive it. And any part of God's word that you and I refuse in our lives, we can't be a spiritual priest of that word. Meaning what? We can't work it in our lives and prove it out in our lives. So I've always been this. When I hear the word of God, I'm not going to fight it. I'm going I'm to let the Holy Spirit reveal it to me. I'm going to embrace it and make it mine. Amen. I'm going to let God change how I see myself, how I think about myself, what I think about others. God is going to be in charge of me because, you see, I'm no longer in the kingdom of darkness. I'm in the kingdom of God. Amen. And 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes over there and he tells the Thessalonians, he says, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. See, when you are facing life's challenges, there are things that are going to come your way. And what God says, prove them. How do I prove them? By the word of God. And what is good? Whatever lines up with the word of God. Whatever is not good is what doesn't line up with the word of God. So therefore, I'm going to prove all things, get rid of the junk, and hang on to what God says. Amen. And so we have to go through this transformation. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is, is really bringing this home over here. And, and we'll pick it up in verse 14. 
And Paul, writing to the church of Corinth, and if you'll, you'll go back, you'll understand that Corinth at this time was a commerce center. A lot of different people came in from different parts, and they brought in all kinds of cultures. They brought in all kinds of, of religions and all kinds of worldliness. And, and it, was a, it was a really corrupt, carnal city. Amen. A lot of idol worship, a lot of crazy things. And, and they were trying to bring that into their Christianity. So Paul writes his first and second letter to them to help correct them in their theology, correct them in their lifestyles, and help them to begin to be who God created them to be. Amen. And so Paul writing here in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14 he says, for the love of Christ compels or constrains or urges us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us, brought us back into harmony with himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Notice it in verse 14, Paul takes you from who you were to the righteousness of God in him. Amen. See, Paul is doing for us here in these verses what he's told us to do in Romans 12 too. He's taking us from a conformity of who we were into being conformed into who we are now in Christ. Amen? He's taking us from thinking like we used to think before Christ and bringing us into thinking like we do now in Christ. He's taking us from seeing the world through the eyes of sin and now seeing the, the world through the eyes of Christ, our Lord. Amen? Now, notice this, that he says this, for the love of Christ compels us. Paul is not saying this because he's against them. He's saying that because he loves them. He wants to see their lives changed. Amen? When you come and hear a word that challenges you, know this, that if that pastor sincerely of God, he's challenging you because he loves you, and he wants you to come out of what the enemy's got you in bondage with so that you can begin to walk in the victory of God. Amen? So always have ears to hear so that that word can come to you. So Paul is being compelled by love to tell these people something. What is it you're trying to get across to us, Paul? He's saying we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Now, what is Paul saying here? He's saying you need to get a revelation. And if you want this revelation, we won't turn there now, but read the sixth chapter of Romans because you'll find out that what Paul is saying here to the Corinthians, he spelled it out in that sixth chapter of Romans when he says this, that we died with Christ, we were buried with Christ, we, we suffered in torments with Christ, we were justified with Christ, we were raised up with Christ, hallelujah, and now we live in Christ, hallelujah, amen? And what he's saying to them is this. If you died to Christ, then you've already died. You don't have to pay for your sins. Christ has already paid for them, and they're dead, and you're dead to the sinful life. You're dead to who you were. Now quit living in who you were and rise up and live in who you are now in Christ Jesus because just like he's alive, you're alive. Hallelujah. Amen. 
And he says, you need to get the revelation that we are not going to recognize you any longer through the flesh. What is Paul saying? He's saying instead of getting up in the morning and looking in a natural mirror and going, oh, God, you go ahead and get up in the morning and open up the Bible and say, glory to God. Hallelujah. James says, I'm to look in this perfect law of liberty and see it as a mirror and see myself in that mirror and stay with it until I begin to take on that image in my life. Amen. And so Paul is saying, quit running around here saying, well, I'm unworthy. I'm just an owner. I did so many bad things. Oh, you know, my life was so sinful. I was such a wrong person. You know, I don't deserve it. Quit talking that junk. Because you died with Christ, and when Christ was raised up, you were raised up with him. Therefore, no longer live according to your past. Live in who you are now in Christ Jesus. And who you are now in Christ Jesus is this. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. They're dead and gone, and all things have become new. And all things are of God. Hallelujah. Amen. See, so you and I need to get a hold of this. We've, if you don't walk in this, you can come to church all the time and you'll still be defeated. Because you'll still try to live according to works and your good deeds. But according to the word of God, all of your works and good deeds will not get you anything with God. It's faith in God's grace and living in who you are now in Christ Jesus that gets you the blessing. Amen? So many Christians today, we're letting the world condemn us. We're letting the world tell us when the devil comes along and says, and about the time you start praying, the devil will remind you of something you did. Oh, God, that's right. That's, that's, what I, that's me. No, it's not. You died to that person. Are you listening to me? You see, when Jesus went on the cross, he didn't go on the cross as a martyr. He went on the cross as a substitute. He was representing you and me. And God laid my sin upon him. God laid all of my mistakes and failures. And he didn't just do that. He put me on him. Hallelujah. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, he had every one of us on his shoulders. When Jesus cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was crying out for all of us. That was our voice crying out. But in Hebrews 1, when God said, this day thou art my son, today I've begotten thee, that was God speaking to us. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it amazing on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the resurrection, God said, this day you are my son. You know what God was saying when he said, this day you're my son? The Bible says that, that we are, all of us, recreated in Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2.10, under good works. Amen? You know what happened whenever God spoke to the Lord Jesus? And he said, this day I have begotten you, and again I will be to you a father, and this day you will be my son. God was speaking to the entire human race, and he was saying, today I have begotten you. Today, I have raised you up out of sin. Today, I have made you my sons and daughters. Today, I have worked this work so that you can walk in righteousness. Hallelujah. Now, notice, I'll take you another step farther. Look what Paul does. He takes this so far that it almost makes you want to just tilt. He says in verse 16, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Notice that. Now, if I'm not to regard you according to the flesh... What's that mean? That means when you walk in here, I'll look at you and go, oh, my God, that's the worst person I ever lived. I remember what they used to do. 
Paul says, I don't see you that way. We're not to see each other that way. Paul says, don't you judge that person from their past. Judge them according to what they did at the altar when God made them a new creation and changed their life and turned them into a son or a daughter of God. Now, if I'm not supposed to look at you that way, how much more are you supposed to not look at yourself that way? Amen. But let's take it a step farther. This is one that really gets to you. This is what he says. Therefore, from now on, from the time we make Jesus Lord, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Wait a minute, Paul, what are you saying? Paul is saying this, if Jesus is still a babe in the manger to you, you're missing it. I rejoice for the babe in the manger. The incarnation was such a miraculous event that God laid aside his eternal glory and came to this earth and took upon himself the form of flesh and blood and dwelt among us. We rejoice in that and we celebrate it. In fact, we're going to celebrate that here real soon. Glory to God. But if that's as far as Jesus is, if that's how you relate to Jesus, you're in trouble. I read, I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I see the, 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 the servant of God walking the will of God and healing the sick and setting people free and, and teaching those wonderful teachings and blessing people. And, and I rejoice in seeing Jesus because he's showing me the way I'm supposed to live. But I no longer know him as that servant of God through the shores of Galilee and the streets of Jerusalem. I rejoice that the Lord Jesus prayed through and got the victory in the garden and then went on the cross. You see, Jesus defeated the cross in the garden. And then he went on the cross and I rejoice and I, and I celebrate and, I, and I'm so thankful for Jesus on the cross, but I don't, I don't know Jesus according to the cross. Who am I supposed to, how do I relate to Jesus now? I relate to Jesus as the ascended, resurrected Lord of lords and King of kings, the Christ who is seated at the right hand of God, who put his mercy, his blood on the mercy seat of God and now rules and reigns in heaven and has been made Lord head of the church and that at his name every knee must bow and at his name every tongue must confess that he is Lord both in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth. I know him as the Lord who said, I am the one who has all authority. Go in my name and my power and preach the gospel, heal the sick, cast out devils, set the captives free. I know the one that when I say his name, demons bow. I know the one that in the name of Jesus, sickness has to go, hallelujah. And I know that at the name of Jesus, no matter what sin I've been in in my life, when I say Jesus be my Lord, that name brings salvation and redemption into me and sets me free. See, Paul says, don't know him in the past, know him in who he is now, hallelujah. And then how I'm supposed to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior and Redeemer and Healer and King right now, I'm supposed to know me as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Created in righteousness in him, hallelujah. I'm to see myself as an adopted son of God. You see, when you make Jesus Lord, you receive the nature of a son. But when you receive that spirit of adoption and it becomes a reality to you, adoption there is a legal term. It means you are given the same rights as the natural born son. 
or you didn't hear me. He's saying, now that I've adopted you, I'm giving you the same legal rights as I give my blood-born son. Meaning what? He raised us up and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and made us heirs of God and what? Joint heirs with Christ. I have the same access to my father as my older brother does. Hallelujah. Woo. And when God looks at me, he looks at me. Jesus said it. He said, my father, he loves you just like he loves me. He'll now hear you just like he hears me. Why? Because when I got adopted, I had a legal right to the family. Glory to God. And everything in the family belongs to me. Praise God. Woo, glory to God. Isn't that good? See, we have been brought into this, folks. And this is who you're supposed to see yourself as now. This is how we're supposed to walk. And notice it's not something you did. Look on down here in, 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 in uh, verse, well, let's just look in verse 15. Or, or, I'm sorry, verse 18. He says this, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry. This is, so, this is to be so real in us that people see it in us and want what we have. And that we can actually help them to get it, praise God. But look what he goes on and says, verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. This is nothing you and I brag about, folks. This is something we celebrate and rejoice and give God the glory. My salvation didn't come because I was such a good person or I did so many good works or I was in church so many days or I read the Bible through so many times. No, no, all my, all my good works, Isaiah said, are just like filthy rags in that sight of God. No, it was God in Christ reconciling me to himself. It was God doing this. So if this was God doing this, this was God's idea. And if it's God's idea, when the devil tells me who do I think I am, I tell him to go talk to my father. Hallelujah. Because it was his idea. Why do you think you can do this? Well, you know, I just hooked up with God's idea. Amen. Notice he says it was God in Christ reconciling, bringing the world back into harmony with himself. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, let's, let's look over here real quickly. And I want to read this to you out of the uh, Amplified Bible. Amplified classic now, hallelujah. But in, in, in uh, Colossians 1, 12, 13, and 14, he says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood which means the forgiveness or remission of sins. Now, when we read that through that, we, a lot of times we do just like we did just now. We read it and we go, oh, that's nice. It's not nice. It's life-changing. <laughs> See, when you read the Bible, read the Bible. Hallelujah. Amen. And let it talk to you. God is speaking to us here through the Apostle Paul. Now, if you really want to get the, the, the full import, let's, let's just back up. Let's start in the bottom and work our way to the top. Amen? In other words, let's go backwards from verse 14 to verse 12. 
How does this all begin? Verse 14, in whom, talking about the Lord Jesus, in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah, the remission of sin. Everything begins with you getting your sins blotted out through the blood of Jesus Christ. Everything starts with a new birth. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to the Lord Jesus at night, and, and he begins to talk, to, and the Lord spoke to him. He says, listen, if you don't get born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. He said, you got to get born again. You have to have a, a birth from above, amen? You have to let God do a work inside of you before you can even see what the kingdom has for you. And so here, when we begin to walk this thing backwards, we realize that everything, our redemption is purchased for us, and we begin to see all that God has for us when we make Jesus our Lord and we allow the blood of Christ to redeem us and set us free. Amen? Amen. Now, somebody says, well, I believe I'm born again, but do I really have a right to do this? Okay? In Hebrews 9 and 10, you'll have to turn here because we're going to talk in this, but let's just refer to it. In the ninth and 10th chapters of Hebrews, the apostle is writing to the Hebrew Christians, and he begins to talk to them about the power that's in the blood of the Lamb. And he talks to them about the Old Testament, how Moses put the tabernacle together, and he says when he brought those, those different things in, the instruments of worship, the instruments of service into the tabernacle, Moses was directed by God to, to sprinkle each instrument, each thing with the blood of an innocent animal, wasn't he? Amen. You ever wonder why? Well, he's already talked about if the blood of bulls and goats and, and if a heifer could cleanse us from the outward man, how much more will the blood of the Son of God, the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, cleanse us from all sin? So why did Moses sprinkle blood on those instruments before they could take them into the temple to be used as service unto God? Because God is perfect. Even the high priest, before he could go in on the Day of Atonement and could offer the blood, had to go through washings and purgings and, and confessions. He had to make sure he was right because if he had any sin or flaw in his life, he would drop dead when the presence of, we got in the presence of God. Amen. Well, when you create lamps and you create tables and you create bowls and stuff, if, it's, if you refine the gold as far as you can refine it, how many of you know that most of the time there's still a flaw in there somewhere? So if these instruments had flaws in them, then they were not qualified to be used in the tabernacle as instruments of worship and service unto God because the flaws would cause God to reject them. Amen? Amen. So what was God's solution? God said, take the blood of an innocent animal because redemption's in the blood and sprinkle each one of these instruments before you bring it in with the blood of the lamb. And that, what that did was this. When God looked at that instrument, whether it was a lamp, a bowl, or a table, whatever, God didn't see a flaw made by man or a flaw because of the natural. God saw it through the blood. Hallelujah. And when God saw that instrument through the blood, he no longer saw the flaw, and that instrument now would be able to be a worship instrument unto God, and he would receive the praise and worship from that instrument. Amen? Now, the Bible says that Jesus didn't sprinkle us with the blood of animals, but he sprinkled us with his very own blood so that when we go into the Holy of Holies, God no longer sees my flaws. He no longer sees my weaknesses. He only sees me washed in the blood of the Lamb, and my praise then becomes received and acceptable unto God. Come on, church. We can worship God because we're washed in the blood. Hallelujah. 
So quit letting your weaknesses, quit letting your past, quit letting the lies of the enemy. Yes, you got to grow, but you're growing. Hallelujah. Just wash in the blood and be who you are now and say, God, this is the best I am now, but it's washed in the blood, but tomorrow's going to be better. Hallelujah. And next week it's going to be even better than that. Hallelujah. Because I'm putting on this new man created in Christ Jesus. Woo, glory to God. Washed in blood, made holy. Amen. Now God doesn't leave us there. Look in verse 13. The Father, see it was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The Father, what's he say he's doing? Has. Everybody say has. That's past tense, isn't it? It's a done deal. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Woo, come on church. When you were washed in the blood, God reached down and took you out from the authority and the control and the dominion of Satan and brought you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you over and set you under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and placed you into the kingdom of God and gave you citizen rights and citizenship in his kingdom, hallelujah. Come on, you got to get a hold of this. God didn't just save you and say, now make it the best way you can until you get to heaven. God said, I'm taking you out from under the authority of darkness. I'm taking you away. You know what that means? That means this teaches us that sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin and Satan are synonymous terms. So we could say it like this, Satan shall not have dominion over you. Sickness and disease is a result of sin. So we could say it like this, sickness and disease shall not have dominion over you. Come on, poverty is a part of the curse of the law. So we could say it like this, Poverty, lack, and want shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the kingdom of darkness where there's poverty, lack, want, sickness, disease, and all kinds of junk. You are now in the kingdom of God where Jesus is your Lord. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law and brought over into the blessing of Abraham. And now God has drawn you to himself. And the Bible says he's given us the spirit of adoption and we cry out, Abba, Father. Daddy, Father. Intimate relationship. Amen. But let's stop. Let, wait, wait, wait. There's another verse. Verse 12. All of a sudden, verse 12, you understand why Paul's saying give thanks. Look what he says. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. What's he saying? He's saying on your worst day, you are still washed in the blood, you are still a citizen of the kingdom of God, and you're still qualified to go to your father and pray and get an answer to your prayer. Hallelujah. If I messed up, I am qualified to go to my high priest and my mediator and confess my sins and he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins because I'm qualified to come and get grace and mercy to help me in my time of need. Somebody says, now Brother Hubman, you'll give people a license to sin. You'll sin without a license. I'm trying to get you out of sin. Amen. I'm qualified. Listen to me, folks. On, on the day that you feel the least spiritual, you're still qualified to get your healing. Because it's not about you, it's about what your Father has done for you. On the day when all 
of hell is breaking loose and everything's coming in like a flood, trying to destroy you, you are still qualified and made able to partake of your inheritance that you have in Christ. Why? Because God has never left you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be there for you. And if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm still a partaker. I am, I have the right to receive from my Father that which he said. Amen. People can be standing out on the street from my house. And they can stand out there and they can look and my son or my daughter can pull up and they'll move out of the way and they can pull into my driveway. And the people on the street can say, hey, you can't go in there. That's Pastor Hoffman's house. My son goes, he may be Pastor Hoffman to you, but he's daddy to me. Well, you can't go in there. He says, watch me. I'm a Huffman, hallelujah. And you know what he do? He'll come right through the front door, walk right in, and if he's hungry, go straight to the food. Sometimes he goes to the refrigerator before he says hi. Amen. Then I've got a grandson. I've got four of them, actually, but I've got one that lives close to us, and, and sometimes they're all there. And you're talking about a, a free-for-all. Food and drink is not safe in the house. <laughs> Bonnie and I, we, we, we are used to us too, but then all of a sudden you have, you know, my daughter shows up with six, my son shows up with four, and all of a sudden they're all teenagers, and who can they eat? Hallelujah. <laughs> and they just look at me, and they go, Daddy, Father, hallelujah, <laughs> in the natural. And we'll go to the refrigerator. I say, Bonnie, didn't we get these? She goes, well, yeah, but we're going to have to get some more. <laughs> because you know what? They know because they're family, they're qualified to have anything in Daddy or Papa's house. Are you listening to me? Listen, would we get to that place with our Heavenly Father? That no matter what's going on in our life, we are not associating ourselves with who we were. We are associating ourselves with who we are now in Christ. And we come to our Heavenly Father knowing that He has qualified us to receive every spiritual blessing that He has for us in Christ Jesus. Amen? God qualified you. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ through adopting you into his family, through redeeming you from all your past and making you a new creation, a brand new species of being that never existed before. You know how important and how precious each one of us are? Not one of us in this place has the same fingerprints. Amen. Even twins don't have the same fingerprints. They look alike, but there's differences. Meaning what? You're a one-off. God only made one of you. You're special. Are you listening to me? And you see, the devil wants you to think that you're nothing, but God wants you to know who you are in him so you begin to walk in the inheritance that he has provided for you. Amen? Now, let me give you one more set of scriptures, and we'll, we'll close this. Look in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Pastor Mike shared a little bit on this this morning, but I want to just make a few comments on, on how am I going to make this work. You say, Brother Huffman, I, I, I see I'm a new creation. Jesus is my Lord. I've been adopted in the family of God, and, and I've been qualified now to partake of this inheritance, and I'm in harmony with God, and, and I accept all that, and I'm a new creation. Thank God my past is under the blood of Jesus Christ, and God no longer sees me that way. He sees me now as a son or a daughter of God. Amen? I'm an heir of God. 
But how do I walk in this? Well, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, the Bible says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, I asked the disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Isn't it amazing how many different things that religion and the world's going to tell you about the Lord? Don't go down to that anchor faith church. They'll warp you. They'll tell you that God will heal you. God will deliver you. God will meet your needs. That God loves you. <laughs> and anybody like you, not even God could love. So we know they're preaching false doctrine. That. <laughs> but notice the Lord said, what's everybody saying? What's, what's, the, what's the word? What's the rumor mill going on out there? And you ever notice that if you ask people about the Lord, you're going to get all kinds of answers. Amen. But notice then the Lord takes it from what's the world saying to he looks at him, he says, and he said to them, but who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Because you see, it's not really important what everybody else is saying about Jesus. It's what you are saying about Jesus. That's important. Are you hearing me? In Romans 3, verses 3 and 4, I believe where it's at, Paul's writing, and he just told them in the first two verses about them, you know, the, the Israelites being heirs of the covenants and promises. But then he says this, but he says, but what if some didn't believe? Will their unbelief cause the faithfulness of God to be without effect? Certainly not. He goes on, he says, let God be true, but all men liars, that you may be justified in your sayings and may overcome with your words. You see, folks, it's not really what else what everyone else is saying is what are you saying what are you saying Proverbs eighteen twenty one says the power of death and life is in your tongue not other people's tongue whether I get life or death is what's coming out of my mouth not what's coming out of yours you can all stand up and say you can't do it you can't do it you can't do it but if I stand up and say but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me your words become null and void and my word is what puts me over so the Lord is, is looking to the disciples, and he says, okay, that's what they're saying, but who do you say that? What, what, what are you saying? And immediately, the Bible says here, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, and blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Notice this, that the apostle Peter jumped right up, and he spoke out, and he said, you're the Christ, the anointed one, you're the Messiah, you're the one sent from God, you're the Lord, Hallelujah. And notice that the Lord Jesus then calls him his name. Why? Because the moment you confess the lordship of Jesus, you enter into a relationship with God where he knows you on a first name basis. Amen. And he looks at Peter and he says, you're blessed. And here's the reason you're blessed, Peter. You didn't get it because somebody else said it. You didn't get it because you just read it in the book. You didn't get it because everybody was running around here talking all this stuff. You got it because down in your heart, you allowed God to reveal to you who I am. And then by faith, you spoke it out of your mouth. And this is how I'm going to build my church. People are going to get the personal revelation of my lordship. They're going to believe it in their heart. They're going to confess me as Lord. I'll build the church on that and the gates of hell cannot overpower it, come against it, hold it down or defeat it. Hallelujah. 
So he didn't say, I'm going to give you the keys. He said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And then he goes on and he says this. I'll read it to you. I will give you the keys, plural, of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. What is he saying? Folks, he's saying this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, he washed you and cleansed you and, and, and wiped away your sins and blotted them out and made you a new creation in Christ. But he didn't just make you a new creation in Christ. He drew you to himself. Made you a, a family member. And then he qualified you to partake of all the blessings that he has. Just like the blood son, we the adopted sons get to have the same privilege. Are you listening to me? And then he comes to us and the Lord here says, now here's how it works. You can't not get it just because you heard somebody else say it. I didn't get healed because I heard Brother Hagin teach that he got healed. I got healed whenever I took his revelation that he got from the word, spent time with it until the Spirit of God spoke it into my heart, and then when it became my revelation and I spoke my revelation out, my healing came to my body. See, I didn't get saved because somebody else confessed Jesus as Lord. Are you hearing me? See, it all starts with that. Because Peter said, you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And he said, you're blessed because you, you, God revealed that to you. Okay? So when he confessed Jesus Christ, that moved him in position. So the first key is this. I have to believe in my heart, myself, that Jesus is who the Bible says he is. I have to believe that he died for my sins, that he was buried for my pains and punishments, that he was raised for my justification, and now he is my Lord, and if I confess him as my Lord, I shall be saved. Amen. Amen. I didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit because I went to a Pentecostal church. I was Baptist. Thank God for the Southern Baptist. Hallelujah. But I got, I got seeking the Holy Ghost, and, and, and I found it was real. I, so Bonnie and I went to a Pentecostal church one Sunday morning, and all they did was pray loud. And I said, well, I can pray loud. I got as much as they got, so I didn't go back. But you know what happened? I got a hold of a book by Kenneth Hagin, and I read those seven vital steps on receiving the Holy Spirit and what it was supposed to do. And I, and I, I read it and meditated until it became a revelation in my heart. And God spoke to me and he said, now, believe you receive and speak it out that I have. And you know what I did? I used the key that God gave me from his word. And I confessed that I received the Holy Spirit. And I got filled with the Holy Ghost. Started speaking in tongues. In the upstairs bedroom is Union Hall, right? Glade, Glade Hill? Or Union, Union Hall. It's where Bonnie grew up. June the 7th, 1977. I knew you was curious about when it was. Hallelujah. That was a Tuesday night, if you don't remember. Hallelujah. But I got filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, I was the first person to ever speak in tongues. I was the first person I ever heard speak in tongues. It was me. And I was praying in tongues. Immediately the devil said, that's just you. And the Lord spoke to me said, no, it is you, but it's not just you. It's me and you. So you just keep talking. Hallelujah. Amen. Woo, glory to God. I got the revelation that I could be healed. And I began to confess my healings and use the keys to bind sickness and lose healing in my life. 
because I found out I was qualified to get healed. I didn't qualify myself. God did it. See, folks, here's the thing. If, if somebody goes down here to a grocery store and they purchase a $1,000 coupon and bring it back to you and say, there's $1,000, this coupon will get you anything you need. Just walk in there, get everything up to $1,000. When you go out, just show them the coupon and walk right out the door. That coupon qualifies me to go into that store and get anything I want. And I don't have to pay for it because it's already paid for. But if I stay at home and look at my coupon, ooh, hallelujah, this coupon gives me $1,000 worth of groceries. That's at least one shopping cart. Hallelujah. I could go there and get 1000 You know, I could sit there in my living room rejoicing over what I'm qualified to get and starve to death. Because faith without works is dead. And Jesus is saying, you've got to believe this in your heart, say it with your mouth, and move over and possess it and get it. Amen? That's how we operate in the keys of the kingdom. We believe, we receive it, and we speak it out, and we take what God gave us, and we reach out and say, I'll take that now in Jesus' name. And when the devil tries to come along and stop you, just say, no, I have the keys of the authority of Jesus Christ himself. And so, Mr. Devil, I'm going to use the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I bind you in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. And when I bind you in Jesus' name, it's the same as if Jesus himself was here binding you, so you have to submit. Because you're not submitting to me, you're submitting to Jesus. Hallelujah. And God has my back. If you mess with him, me, you mess with him. Amen. See, whenever I teach this and I minister to people, I, I watched this, this show one time. I, I may have shared it, but it bears repetition real quick. And it was, I like these animal shows. Well, this, it was sad beginning because these hunters killed a bear. And, he had, and, the, and it was a female, and she had a little cub. And the cub got away, but the cub couldn't defend itself. So it's out there, and, and, it, and, and it comes up to this big grizz. And so this grizzly bear, you know, most of the time they'll kill a cub, but he adopted it. And so you got this huge male grizz, and you got this little cub running around together. And then they get separated. And then here comes a mountain lion. This cub's having a bad day. I mean, a really bad day. <laughs> and so this mountain lion comes, and it's chasing this cub. And the whole thing is about this cub. He runs through the woods. He climbs a tree. He finally gets on a log, and he's going down the river, and the lion's running along beside, and then finally it, it gets to the shallows, and he's got to get off, and finally he's done all he can do. So he goes, and you, know, and, and you don't know where the big grizz is, but it looks like he's all on his own. You ever been there when it looks like everything's coming against you, and you're just trying to do everything, but you're all alone? And this kid, this, this baby bear's been running all day long. And so finally, he's run as far as he can run. He realizes he can't make it, so he turns around. And that lion is right there. And that little bear stands up on his back two feet, and he stands about three feet tall. And he goes, <laughs> Amen. Throws those paws up and goes, Rawr. And when he does, that lion comes over and swats him, and he hits him you know, in the snoss and knocks him back. Well, that little bear stands there for a minute, and he gets back up on his feet again because he's run as far as he's going to run. And this time he rears back up on those feet and he lifts those hand, paws up and he goes, Rawr! only this time when he does that, the lion crouches and backs up. And the little bear gets a little bit more bored and he goes, Rawr! and that lion turns and runs just like, and the little bear's like, mm-hmm. And then the camera angle shifts 
And this 10-foot grizz is about five feet behind that little bear, standing back there like this, saying. So the lion wasn't running from the little cub. He was running from the big daddy that was behind him that says, I will eat you if you mess with my son. Amen? I'm going to tell you what, folks. On your worst days, what you need to do is quit running from that lion that's roaring around. And you need to take your stand because I'm going to tell you what. Your Father in heaven has your back. And your Lord is right there with you. And you are qualified to defeat that enemy. Use the keys that God has given you and impart the power of the kingdom in your situation. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.